We're back again with another episode of Scaring and Sharing. Yeah, it's the place where we get together and we share our scares with one another and with you out there in the dark. Hello. Hello. As always, it's your hosts. Uh, I'm staring at through a computer screen, the beautiful <laughs> flaming scream queen, the one and only Brandy Joe Planbeck. And I'm staring at the absolutely stunning and gorgeous, oh. the original Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Rusk. Jeremy Ryan Rusk. What's your middle name? <laughs> my, my middle name is Lauren. Is it? Like yes. L-A-U-R-E-N? L-O-R-E-N. Oh. Uh, which is my, my dad's name. Oh my God, that's so cool. I never knew that. Just in the moment, I wanted to say your middle name and Ryan yeah. is what came out. <laughs> nope, nope, yep. Jeremy Lauren Rusk. Oh, that's cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Nice. I've always thought it's a pretty good, like it rolls. If I were to become a writer or something like that, I've always decided I would use all three okay. uh, names because I feel like that's got like a authory sounding kind of uh vibe to it yeah jeremy people are getting their merch they are putting it out in the universe our dear yeah. alex tess there is merch teacher drew sent me a, a message saying that he got his merch and so i'm just really excited we, we've heard mandy was getting yep, hers mandy got we hers. heard i think ethan told us he was buying some Yep, so, I think Ethan might still be waiting on his, but it's coming any day. But if you want your Scaring and Sharing merch. Yeah, yeah jo join the elite, the few, the proud. Join us. Join <laughs> us. <laughs> yes, and you can just go to our link tree on our Instagram and get it there. Link is uh, in the bio, as they say. <laughs> That's right. Smash that like button. <laughs> Smash that like button. Hit subscribe. And you know, we haven't said this in forever, and it it truly doesn't matter to me, but it's always nice. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a, a little re mini review or a rating. Would love that. We're not here. We're not all about that. We just are appreciative of anyone who happens to be listening to us. We are grateful mm -hmm. for you. Any feedback is fantastic yeah. and yep we want to hear from any any and everyone that's listening so the good bad and the ugly Absolutely. especially the ugly yeah I'd, I'd like to get some ugly let's get some ugly we haven't had that <laughs> speaking of feedback oh we just got a new one from teacher drew as we are speaking oh wow and i'm gonna start things off this first one is from someone who happens to be named joe who happens to be my husband <laughs> and the subject line is screaming has meaning oh i like it that could have been our alt that could be our, our alt twitter no our alt um, yep. podcast name uh screaming has meaning screaming has meaning joe writes hello scary sharers i was listening to your appreciation of vera farmiga's sublime screaming abilities in the conjuring films and i couldn't help but wonder have you ever seen brian de palma's blowout starring john travolta and nancy allen since screaming plays such an integral part in that film i made the correlation and wanted to know your thoughts love you oh i love you too joe have we talked about blowout on here i just had this vision that we did i think we've mentioned it but 
I saw this with Joe. He actually, because he knows I love Dress to Kill. And mm. so we watched Blah. And I really don't remember much except for it's like someone who's creating sound effects. It's like John Travolta. And he happens to sound. Have you seen it? I've never okay. seen Blowout, but I know of it. Okay. Well, then yep. I'm not going to talk anymore. I mean, you know what it's about. Yep. But I'm not going to say anything more. Yeah. I know it's 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 on my list of De Palma I've not seen. Like, I've seen a lot of his work and then there's other stuff I haven't seen yet. So I definitely have it on the list. So essential Brian De Palma horror are Carrie dress to kill and blow up. Am I right? Is there something I'm missing? Uh, Phantom of the paradise. Many would throw in there. Okay. That's more on the fringe, but yes, that, yeah, I, that's a little campier and yeah, but it's still, since it's Phantom of the opera, I'd say it's horror adjacent enough to throw in there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he's got to have something else. That's, but those are the ones that come to mind, which I mean, Carrie and Dress to Kill in particular, I feel are somewhat classics. They're both in the 70s, right? Dress to Kill was in the 70s or was that like 1980? Let me tell you right now, it is on the shelf next to me. Where are you? Dress to Kill came out in 1980. Okay. Because I was just, as I came out of my mouth that they're both 70s, I thought, mm, I right on the cusp longer. though. The yeah, on the trans the transition definitely um, made in the 70s yeah surely it was filmed <laughs> in like 78 or 79 you know because yeah but dressed oh, um, scared the shit out of me i would also throw in sisters oh sure. which we covered on here uh yeah. and um i think some would also make an argument for body double oh yeah which i've not seen which I saw a long time ago, but I don't remember it very well. And I remember the plot being very confusing. <laughs> so I wasn't like quite following what was happening. Uh, really intricate, like neo-noir movies. So I need to revisit that. But I, and, and that's another one that would be more horror adjacent. I know Body Double is not necessarily a horror movie, but I think the vibe is, you know, strong enough that I would throw it in De Palma's like Hitchcock worshiping thriller, you know, milieu. So, yeah, yeah. Yep, that works. And then I just kept thinking he'd come back to it. And no, if he's tried, it's not been very successful. So no, I would say um, I think of his work, the next closest thing for a long time. Let's see. I'm going to pull up the filmography here. Yeah, because he kind of just went off. It OK, because right before in between blowout and body double. He did Scarface with Al Pacino. Uh, and I think that kind of set the stage for like later, he kind of just verges into crime, th like straight up gangster and crime th thrillers for a long time. And that's sort of where he's been living ever since as a director. But to wrap up, looking at his filmography, in 1992, Brian De Palma did the movie Raising Kane, which I forgot about. And that's like a lesser with John Lithgow. Uh, as the bad guy so that's yeah, a horror I, thriller technically but i don't remember i think it's what i watched on tv as a kid but i don't remember it at all yeah and it's i remember thinking about it recently because it has a page in ad nauseum the 80s version mm -hmm. and or the 90s version sorry and it's it looks like it'd be very problematic now which kind of dress to kill dress to kill is as well and it mm -hmm. looks like he was just trying to like go back to his glory days of Dress to Kill. Is like yeah. what I remember it as. And Dress to Kill too, I feel though there is some like reclamation that, like as problematic as some people would say the movie is, I see a lot of other people still champion it as uh 
I don't know, claiming it as their own though. So it's still got a fandom. It, it's it's an interesting flick. And I know I'm going to veer into some maybe slightly dangerous territory here, but I'm going to preface it with like, I'm not an expert and I, I'm just throwing out some thoughts and not that these, this is how I feel necessarily. But mm -hmm. I know that there is when it comes to like there being killers of movies that are gay or women. And some people get very upset like about the villains being portrayed through these lenses, if you will. But in a way, I guess I sort of feel like I believe that we all should be able to be heroes and villains. Mm -hmm. So I guess I, I, there may be like more specific things and maybe I, I, I know I'm generalizing, yeah. but like I, I like to think that there can be a, a killer in a movie who happens to be gay or a drag queen or whatever, like, or a, a female, like, because for so long, the killers were just always just, just men, just white, straight men. So like, I'm like, I think a killer could be anyone. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I would like to further this. And if anyone out there listening has, I feel like Tess probably has some strong opinions on this. Yeah. So Tess, I would love to hear. And again, I'm just throwing out the conversation. I'm not saying, one way or another it's just something i've thought about whenever i hear that i sort of say well can't we be all things exactly. victim and and hero and killer i i i agree with you and i think there is a nuanced you know conversation to be had here so if anyone wants to write in and yeah, start that conversation that. let's do it uh and also to be clear we're not like mounting some great defense of dress to kill if you hate that movie <laughs> for its content like that is your right to that's you know that this is how this podcast functions we're not here to tell anyone uh, that your feelings are wrong and this is why and we're going to explain it to you no uh you know, if you think that movie's problematic, I mean, it probably is. They would never, then they should never make it now the way it was originally made. There should be some more nuanced uh, content there if you were going to go that direction and probably not made by a white, straight, cisgender man. Yeah, but I mean, I love it for Angie Dickinson and Nancy Allen. Like, they are the reasons I love it. Oh, they're I amazing in it. They're so good in it. And it's just so stylish and beautiful. Like it just, it's just like Carrie in that way. There's just some gorgeous sequences and mm -hmm. just it's the tension is so great. Music's so fantastic. The music is so good. Yeah. So there are just some beautiful things about it and some frightening things. Like I remember watching it late night TV and it scared the shit out of me as a kid. Like one of those movies that I just remember being scared shitless. And like a lot of De Palma's work from that era of his filmography, it it's really just like a remake homage to Psycho. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of like every De Palma movie back then. It was like, okay, which Hitchcock movies did he borrow from to make this one? Because that was really his thing for a long time. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, thanks, Joe. I appreciate you writing in. And next, let's move on to Teacher Drew's message that just came in. That just came in like good, weird sixth sense you have, Teacher yeah. Drew. Um, so Teacher Drew says, hey, guys, enjoyed your last episode, especially your easy, casual rapport. That's what, you know, that's what we try to do, Teacher Drew. So thanks <laughs> for recognizing that. Uh, he says, my Scaring is Sharing t-shirt arrived and I love it. What makes the deluxe edition different is the fit, more athletic and the material. Others call it butter blend. Uh, oh. Great work. And he says picture to follow. So athletic fit is like slim fit as far as I, uh, they call that athletic fit. So yeah, like, teacher Drew's like got a, that runner's bod. Yeah, he's got that tight shirt on, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, and he says, have you seen Northman yet? Uh, 
Finally, a Robert Eggers movie I appreciate. It is extremely Shakespearean and horror adjacent with its supernatural witch vibe. I am super interested in seeing The Northman, especially since I didn't realize it was out. Yeah, I guess it's out now. It's Robert Eggers doing Viking drama, which seems like perfect for him with his, you know, historical (laughs) works he does. Um, And from what I know, yeah, the the Shakespearean vibe of it is because it's based on an old Viking story, which is actually what Hamlet is based on. Oh, I didn't know that. But that makes sense. The story of, I think, Amlet is how you say the Viking prince's name from history. And that's what, yeah, that's what Hamlet is based on. That's why it's set in Denmark. because Just throw an H on it and there you go. Yeah, there you go. And it's about Danish Vikings. (laughs) So that's like what the, that's where Hamlet came from. It was just a new version of that old Viking saga. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, and Viking shit in general, just they got witches, they got all kinds of occult shit going on in their culture. So, of course, it would become very horror adjacent, I think. Uh, and then finally, Teacher Drew says, I've also been obsessed with Moon Knight, the Marvel title I read as a kid. Disney Plus is knocking it out of the park with this series. Any thoughts? Love to you both. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay you. Uh, and yes, Sarah and I are watching Moon Knight. Um, on Disney Plus, one of the Marvel, you know, I know for you, the superhero stuff is just <laughs> not a thing. But Moon Knight, yeah, I think it is pretty horror adjacent. It's weird as hell. Um, if you don't know, Moon Knight is a, and that's that's cool, Teacher Drew, that you read uh, Moon Knight as a kid, because I don't meet a lot of people that are like Moon Knight fans that have read that character, because he's kind of a little more obscure, you know, Marvel Comics character, uh, where he is a you know sort of batman-esque that's always the thing people are like oh he's just a ripoff of batman because he dresses up in a costume white instead of black but he's a masked vigilante that fights crime at night hence moon night um but where it gets a little weird is he has different personalities that inhabit the same body so there's like multiple characters that are all the same guy on top of he's powered by the ancient Egyptian moon god Khonshu. Uh, so it gets off into this weird, crazy, supernatural Egyptian stuff. Um, in the comics, he started as like a monster hunter. He fought vampires and werewolves and stuff. So there's a lot of horror uh, adjacent things going on. But yeah, Disney Plus with that series. I barely understand what's happening in the plot because it's so trippy and weird. But yeah, I'm watching the show because I love Marvel and Sarah's watching the show because she has a crush right now on Oscar Isaac. So I don't know who that is, but I bet I'd have a crush on him too. You look him up. He's a very handsome man. I'll give her that. So well, cool. Well, thank you for giving me all the background on Moon Knight. There you go. Now you can pretend you know about it and tell people (laughs) like, yeah, it's weird. It's cool. No. Have you watched it? No. <laughs> so. I'll be like multiple personality, werewolves, Egyptians. Yeah. You, know, you, you got the broad strokes. Yeah. Tales all the time. But yes, I want to see the Northmen. Um, I'm very intrigued by it. It's not, again, it sort of goes that route that I'm like, oh, like olden times that I don't love. Olden history times. Olden yep. history times. My favorite yeah. generation. Generation. <laughs> it's not a generation. Whatever. You know what I mean. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued because witches. I love witches. So yeah, witches are cool. I'm into Viking shit because of uh, my my heritage, my yeah. Swedish heritage. My grandmother filled me with Viking stories as a kid, so I got a soft spot for those. 
All right. Uh, love a soft spot. All right. So our final telegram comes from our dear friend, Alex, who writes with the subject line, Coraline and Conjuring. Hey, SIS. That's us. Scaring and sharing. First of all, ew, the podcast merch is iconic slay. Ooh, I typically like take as like bad, but I think it means good here. Like, ooh, the podcast mm -hmm. merch is iconic slay. Just got my ringer t-shirt and I am obsessed going to tie dye and crop it. Second of all, the two, the conjuring two portion notice through the whole movie, there are Easter eggs of the nun's name. Like in the Warren's bookshelf, it spells out the name several times throughout, which I found really fun to look for. Also the Christmas vibes the movie has was cute. And I watch it during the holiday season. Oh, that's another one that can be added to that. Like the, the yeah. Christmas time horror watching. Yeah. The movie for me worked as in the element of are the children telling the truth or not, which, you know, we talked about with like satanic panic yep. because the real case mentioned that the girl was lying and known to lie. So in the movie, I was genuinely confused if she was or was not telling the truth. But I am spiritual Catholic kid. Then my family switched to Christianity. I say this because they always told us if you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil and always taught that. So I believe in paranormal ghost demons. R.I.P. Warrens. XOXO. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, I thanks. I do remember, though, I mean, because I'm not a religious person. I, I am spiritual. I have a higher power being, you know, in the, the recovery program. It's very important there. But I do remember, like, I mean, I went to Sunday school as a kid and stuff. And I remember once in Sunday school asking about the devil and being told the devil doesn't exist. And I said, but if there's God, isn't there a devil? Which is exactly what Alex is saying here. But they were very intent on not letting us believe that the devil was a thing. Yeah, they, that's where you get, I think, different Christian denominations get a little the theology arguments start up because some are very adamant they're the devil can't exist because like, how could something go against the nature of God, if he's almighty, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with Alex because I grew up a Catholic boy too. And I feel like what the old saying, once a Catholic, always a Catholic, like there's going to be some of that tainting your spiritual or influencing your spiritual beliefs forevermore. Um, and yeah, when I was a kid going to like catechism, which, you know, was essentially our version of Sunday school, if you will. Um, there was talk of the devil and like, yes, Catholic dogma says the devil is real. He exists like demons exist, but uh, so that's there. That's why I'm into demon shit. And I think that's why it scares me. It's like one of the uh, subgenres that scares me the most is like possession and demonic stories because mm -hmm. uh, that was treated as something real in you know, part of my youth growing up and presented to us as like, yeah, they can, they can get a hold of you. I don't think we we didn't really talk about possession though, because that's kind of a thing. Like, yeah, that seems Catholic, a little scary for kids. Yeah, and the Catholic Church in like modern day, I think they've kind of distanced themselves from that stuff because it feels real, <laughs> like uh, medieval to have that belief about like demonic possession. Because usually we'd learn, yeah, demons are real, but really people are just as bad <laughs> as any evil spirit on their own. They don't for need sure. demonic influence. So. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I'm in, I'm into that stuff because of learning about it as a kid, like reading the Bible. I was also that weirdo though, too, in the classes where I'm like, okay, this is all well and good, whatever story you're teaching us. But like, what about Satan? <laughs> I'd be like, Jeremy, stop. We're not discussing that today. <laughs> so. 
Oh, that's rich. So like that was that. me, little dark boy. That's the evil like little little evil goth boy. Little Pantera boy in the, yeah, the just, Sunday school in the catechism. Yep, yep listening to my metal and just <laughs> being a menace. Well, Alex, I cannot wait to see your cropped and tie-dyed scaring scaring. Yeah, send us a photo. Sure. Yeah, please. Yeah. Send us that photo. I want to see that shirt. Once that it's tie-dyed. Amazing. Because you do that awesome tie-dye work from yeah. uh, the, the, the t-shirts I've seen on your site. So Yes. Uh, well, awesome. If you want to write to us, I mean, we had a nice plethora today, which we always love. We love a bushel of terrograms. Mm -hmm. uh, we can get those messages through our Instagram, scaring is sharing, all one word, or scaring is sharing at gmail.com. Write us. And apparently we can also get them through that uh, extra thingy. Remember, we had leftovers. Yep. When it's on our, yeah, it's through through our, our yeah, it's I think through our, our link tree. There's a thing to to leave feedback. Smash yeah, that like button. Yeah. And we discovered it after the fact. So don't worry, we'll get to you eventually. We check it all <laughs> all sources over time. So. So, Jeremy, I have some like rebooty news. So rebooty. That's fun. I like rebooty. That. That we should have a podcast called rebooty. Mm -hmm. um, so there is talks of a new Blair Witch on the horizon. Ooh. And then there's been further talks this week about Leprechaun being discussed as having a, a return from Lionsgate, which I know they've been talking about, but I read it again this week. Yeah, I hope it happens. More Leprechaun, please. I heard who was it? Was it Darren well, Lynn Boozman? Yeah, from the Saw yeah. series. Yep, I, I saw a blurb that he's very interested in doing a leprechaun. Uh, yeah. And what made me even more excited is he said he would only do it if they could get Warwick Davis back. Yeah. Uh, and he would do a thing that's like a continuation, I guess, from the original series. Or he would want to make something in tone with the Warwick Davis movies. Uh, like going full-blown ridiculous if he had to. I know he said he wanted to make a sequel to that series, but like those movies have no continuity so it doesn't really matter like each one is like a self-contained story so you're you can do whatever you want yeah whatever 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 but more leprechaun please and if warwick davis came back that'd be awesome and i'm all for um blair witch too i mean i i only really love the first one and um mm -hmm. the the third one's fine um, the second one I, I hate, and I don't. I know people are trying to reclaim it, but it's it's not good. I'm sorry. No, it's not good. Like I saw it recently, or at least parts of it, um, in uh, the last couple of years, and I'm like, this is so bad. Like so this is, bad. There is no reclaiming. Like I understand the story is that the director, his original cut of the movie is like totally different and way better, but. Th that'll probably never see the light of who knows maybe it will because now like fan pushes they respond you know uh and we'll put out those cuts sometimes if there's enough pressure from fans but i don't think we'll see that original vision ever so stop trying to reclaim this one it was a studio interference i mean if you like it that's good for you just don't try to convince me okay don't convince me this is not a i don't think this is a halloween three situation no. or you know uh any any movie like that that's been reclaimed over time because it's like yeah we just weren't ready for it no Blair Witch 2 is just terrible now did you hear about Firestarter I heard that John Carpenter did the score and I was like yeah. holy shit what? that is insane I had I think, no idea yeah this is the first time and that was surprise news I don't think anyone knew until they put out some yeah. like press uh, this week 
yeah, some press and like uh, you could listen to like, I think it was like the end credits theme or something okay. they, re- they released uh, on streaming services. So, and it, yeah, it sounds like John Carpenter. But that's well, awesome. Give credit where credit is due. It's John Carpenter with uh, Cody Carpenter, his son, and um, Davies. I can't remember his first name, but they're like a little band now. So Daniel Davies. Daniel Davies, who is the son of one of the guys from the band The Kinks who are good okay. friends with John Carpenter and his family. So uh, yeah, he's got a band and <laughs> their score in movies. Uh, but this is the first, I think this is the first movie John Carpenter has scored. That isn't something he was involved with on some level as like director, producer, or like creator of whatever it was. So now he was cool. supposed to direct the original. Yeah. He was Which, supposed to direct the uh, original. Thank God. I wish he would have. Because I, I listened to the audiobook, I don't know, like two or three years ago. Which I didn't love. It was fine, but I it was not my favorite. And mm-hmm. then I watched the movie and it is just not good. I mean, yeah. Drew Barrymore's great because as a as a little kid in part I mean, I really like her most of the time, but as a kid, she was just always so good. Yeah. But it's it's not good, although her dad is hot. It's probably one of those two. Like I read that Carpenter left because of creative differences with the studio. So it's like, okay, he probably had a vision that was probably better than what the studio. If that's what we got, because the studio got their way, then yeah, I'm sure his vision was probably something superior. I wonder if it was. Hold on, I'm just gonna have to look. I wonder if it was pre Christine or after, because like after Christine, you would have thought, um, let him do whatever he wants. So Christine mm-hmm. was 83 and Firestarter was 84. So I imagine it would have been after Christine, but maybe it was like right around the same time. And maybe they didn't know how fucking good Christine was going to be. I mean, I haven't exactly. seen that in forever, but in my mind, I always remember it as being very effective. And that lead guy is so good. What's his name? Keith something? Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. Keith Gordon. He's so good in that movie. I just remember he's just so, so terrific. Yeah, John Carpenter with... Okay, it looks like I think Christine is the only uh, Stephen King adaptation he was able to do. I know he had like... He was friends with Stephen King and desperately wanted to do more. Kind of like... Because you had John Carpenter and George Romero both became good friends with Stephen King and then tried their damnedest to adapt as much of his work as they could. But unfortunately for both of them, they only really did a couple things. Um, okay. Cause I know John Carpenter did Christine and then his movie in the mouth of madness was a tribute to Stephen King on some level, but it, you know, was not a direct adaptation of uh, any of King's work. And then what did Romero do that? He worked on creep show, which Stephen mm-hmm. King co-wrote and is based on some of his stories. And Romero did uh, the dark half which I think is an underrated Stephen King adaptation. So, okay. And I think that's it for Romero and King. Even I think they intended to do a lot more <laughs> adaptations of the books too, but never happened. So, and now Flanagan has done Dr. Sleep and Gerald's game. I'm curious if he'll do another one. Yeah. Yep. That would be probably, I'm sure down the line that some of these guys get locked in there or like Mick Garris is another one mm-hmm. that uh, he directed more than he's like famous for doing Stephen King adaptations for lots the of TV part, ones, so. right? A lot of he did the TV Shining, he did okay. the Stand, the original Stand miniseries, and then like a few other like straight to video. So I saw on some site this week that was like the Night Flyer is better than you remember. Have you seen the Night Flyer? Long time ago. Okay, I never have. I don't. I don't. There's the monster looks kind of like a weird vampire. 
Yeah, right? it scared the shit out of me. Because <laughs> I saw it. Yeah, I was yeah. young enough that I was like, this is freaky as hell. Also, Rose Red, that's a thing, right? Yep, Rose Rose Red. Yeah, yeah, that Rose, was a yeah. TV miniseries yeah, I've heard that's good, movie. But yeah, again, I've heard it's good, too. I've, I think I've seen parts of it because um, it's like one of those whatever you want to call it, I guess miniseries, but I think it was like two halves and each half was like a two hour movie. Yeah. So all together, it's like really long. Uh, yeah. I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's like a spooky haunted house story. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. This week on uh, my little streaming site, actually yesterday, this movie popped up that I've been hearing about. And I'm curious if you've heard anything about it. It's called We're All Going to the World's Fair. No. Have you heard of this? No. So the description is reality and fantasy begin to blur when teenager Casey alone in her attic bedroom immerses herself in a role playing horror game online. Wow. And the reviews are really pretty good for it. Like on Letterboxd, it's like a 3.5 or something like that, which, you know, Ooh. on Letterboxd is good. Yeah. And there's lots of really positive stuff. Like I started to glance at them and I'm like, I don't want it looks real super low budget, but I remember hearing about it not too terribly long ago so i'm hoping to watch it i was gonna try to watch it before today and i just didn't get around to it cool yeah so yeah i've heard nothing about this yeah i'm intrigued to say the least did you watch anything this week mm, no nothing of i i'm currently locked in i'm finishing up my God, I've watched this series several times over, but I'm finishing up another binge of Breaking Bad uh, mm. because of the final season of Better Call Saul just started up. So I'm going to segue from Breaking Bad into Better Call Saul and then finish all of that. I'm a huge fan of that series and that world. So that's okay. been occupying my time. I just watched the entire first season of Survivor because I was sick on Tuesday. So I was in bed and in and out mm. of sleep. I just watched the entire thing because I've been like, I want to check out Survivor. There's 42 seasons. Holy shit. I know. But luckily, like after just finishing some of Big Brother, which are like 30 to 50 episodes, like there's so many Big Brothers mm -hmm. and Survivor's all like just one a week as opposed to like three a week. And it's like uh -huh. all things in like 42 minutes. And then after you skip past the like previously on, like it's really like 40 minutes. So it's like short, but like yeah. it is is see how fucking good but slight horror -y on the, in the second season because i'm watching that now this guy is blowing on this fire like to keep it going and he inhales a bunch of smoke and it makes him pass out and he passes out into the fire he just falls face first into the fire and his he goes and he runs and he jumps in the lake and like the skin is like coming off of his hands where oh, he geez. like fell into the fire and like the flesh is just like off of him and he's screaming and it's just like a horror movie it's like what the fuck <laughs> Ooh, i want to know more about that too did he sue the production because you know i a friend of mine who loves survivors like don't google him which i believe must mean he comes back in a later season and wins that's what i'm imagining he's uh... from michigan though he's a michigan guy okay so um but he's kind of daddy like he's older and he has like a seen hairline but he's like like super ripped and yeah he's daddy yeah. i remember the original season of survivor all those many years ago i watched oh like i loved richard hatch i, I thought i was gonna yeah. hate him but i loved him and i thought he was hot and they yeah. kept talking about how fat he was i'm like you guys are assholes because he's not fat he's a little has a little flesh on him but and i yeah. thought he just played the game well Honestly. Yeah, he did. No, he did. He played really well. I remember when he won uh, in the original and I was like, and some people were like, you know, he was shady or whatever, like the way he played. But I'm like, no, it's a game show and he played to win. Like, yeah, 
it's like the origin of the like i'm not here to make friends like attitude where it's like <laughs> yeah that's it like if you want to win you win so but he's a trash person in real life so that's unfortunate but oh. but yeah i loved him on the show Mm -hmm. But anyway, aside from that, watched nothing. But I, yeah. I'm looking forward to watching. We're all going to the World's Fair. I will hopefully report back next week because I'm super curious. I just read online that HBO Max has the exclusive streaming rights for we're all going to the oh. World's Fair. So it might be on there now. Ah, that might double be. Check. Okay. Yep. Well, cool. awesome. Well, shall we get to our shares? Let's get to the shares. So real quick, if it's your first time, then Jeremy and I each assign some, the other person, a movie that they've not seen before. We go away for a matter of days and come back. For you, it's mere moments. And mm -hmm. then we talk about our feelings on them. Yeah, let's do And it. I go first this week. And you know yep. what? I changed my mind from what I was going to do. Cool. And I'm going to give you Blowout. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> when Joe wrote that, I was like, you know what? Let's watch it because I want to watch yeah. it again after his email. Let's yeah, yeah. Let, let's do blowout. Uh, I know vaguely what it's about. It's Brian De Palma. I know it's a young-ish John Travolta, um, and he like is witness. I think because De Palma always likes to have characters in his movies that are like related to the film industry or like the entertainment industry in some way um so i feel like he or what i remember is he's like an audio guy or a sound guy or whatever for like the movies but he witnesses something he's not supposed to see uh like uh, a murder i think or something you know along those lines and he becomes a target of the bad guys so yeah. uh and i i just heard it's a very good movie but i never got around to watching that one so i'm excited to see it now yeah, I'm excited to recheck it out because I think Joe and I watched it like 18 years ago. So cool. So yeah, uh, and I'm doing the same thing. I was coming into this morning with like one movie in mind that I was like, I'm gonna do that one, and then I saw something last night that made me totally change my mind. <laughs> what what I'm gonna give you? So um, and it's kind of gonna be in line with Blowout, which I don't think is necessarily like a full on horror movie, but it's horror adjacent. Uh, and again, for the listeners, oftentimes we pick movies, we call them horror adjacent. And by that, we mean if you're a first timer, it's not explicitly like a horror movie necessarily, but it might be by a director that's really important to horror or have thematic elements uh, or just be really dark and, uh, you know, thrilling a story that where else are you going to put it but next to horror movies um so i am i just saw that this flick is back on netflix again it's got an actor i recently was just saying to my wife i really like him and she's like meh about this guy so i'm interested to see where you fall but i'm giving you the movie nightcrawler oh with jake gyllenhaal mm -hmm. oh i have wanted to watch this for so long okay I there's I think two movies. Okay, I, I thought it was one thing, and then because Prisoners is also a movie by the same director. It might no. be. I'm, I'm not sure. I feel I like it is. I don't I know thinking, about that. So I know there's some movie with like giant spiders at some point, and I think that's Prisoners, and I don't think it's this movie. I think this movie is about a killer. I really don't know nothing. I just know Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. I love him. I mean Donnie Darko. Hello, um, love love this movie. I love that movie. I've never seen this movie, but I'm curious. And I think it's about like a serial killer. And I think he's like a detective. And I think it's going to be dark and um, hopefully a little spooky because it seems like I've heard that. But I think it's about a serial killer. 
And that's all I'm going with. Uh, it's a serial cool. killer. I think it's going to end not like happy. I think it's going to not be so happy. But yeah, both of our movies are kind of adjacent. And I'm adjacent, totally down yeah. with that. I like, yeah. Adjacent is good too. Because yeah. we can have broader interests than just movies about ghosts and goblins, guys. We can that's go right. all kinds of directions. The darkness so. of humankind. Yeah, the, the human darkness. <laughs> the scariest well, cool. of all. Because it can actually that's happen. Right. That's right. Well, let's go away and watch them. Yeah. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And we're talking about some movies now. Yeah, we are. We're going to share them with each other and you. I guess we already shared them, but we did. We... Now we're talking about them. We share them. We talk about them. Yeah. If this is your first episode, this is what happens. And welcome. We're so glad to have you here. But if it's if it's your hundredth time, well, it couldn't be that unless you listen to our episodes over and over. But regardless, Which, awesome. Here. If you we're listen to any episodes more than once, yeah. uh, that's cool. Trip. all right i mean i listened to them multiple times uh all right we're gonna start with blowout from 1981 directed by brian de palma okay 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 i'm not reading the the letterbox (laughs) summary is really long so i'm gonna read one of the imdb ones which first of all the tagline is murder has a sound all of its own exclamation point mark whatever all right. <laughs> the description is a movie sound recordist accidentally records the evidence that proves that a car accident was actually murder and so, and consequently finds himself in danger. The end. Very cool. Uh, so blowout. Every time I say the title blowout, I question myself because I'm like, is that the name of the movie for some reason? And I think it's because. There is also the movie Blow Up, which apparently was an influence on this movie, Blow oh. Out. So I'm always confusing the titles, which has a similar uh, kind of plot line, Blow Up, except it's about like a camera guy that accidentally films a murder. Okay. Uh, and it's an Italian flick, so it predates this one. It's a little bit more giallo than uh, even this is. But that movie was an influence on this movie because it came out in like the 60s, I think. So Okay. Anyway, blowout. Um, this was cool. Uh, you know, this is this is. I don't know how I'd never seen this one, especially seriously. Being like, like I consider myself a Brian De Palma fan. I know there's gaps in my viewing because he's got plenty. He's 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 directed quite a few movies. Uh, so there's a few here or there that I haven't seen, and this was one of them. But this is like from that time period of his work that I think is like his best. So, yeah, I don't know how I had never seen this. Yeah, it is so good. This is my second time. I think I mentioned in the first part that Joe had me when we first started dating, and we still do this occasionally. If we go like a period where we have many days where we're going to be hanging out, like I'll pick a movie, he'll pick a movie. Like, ideally, that the other person hasn't seen, we like to share not only our scares, but just whatever we want to share with one Mm -hmm. another and this was one that he showed me that i hadn't seen because i love dress to kill and and i remember liking it 
but like I loved it this time. And I would venture to say I think it's better than Dress to Kill. I think there are so many great sequences. It doesn't feel as long as Dress to Kill. It just seems to get right into it a little more. Because Dress to Kill has that sort of psycho opening where it takes a mm -hmm. while and you really get to know Angie Dickinson and then things shift. Like the who you thought you were following, you're no longer following and whatnot. Yeah. Yes. And this, you're sort of in it from the get-go, and and it just sort of you go on the ride, and it is what it is. There's no not those twists and turns in that way. Yeah, and that was one thing I was grappling with this whole time because I love Dress to Kill, and I'm like, is this a better movie than Dress to Kill? Because apparently, like, while he was making Dress to Kill, he came up with the idea for this movie and started the prep work on it, and then this became his next movie after Dress to Kill, and they feel very similar, like just style-wise and uh feel wise but the one thing that struck me with blowout a lot of de palma's work from the earlier part of his career like his big thing was being like i love alfred hitchcock and everything i make is going to be very rooted in homage to mm -hmm. hitchcock's work which dressed to kill is pretty much just a remake of psycho yeah. so uh that's very apparent with that movie this movie though I got the Hitchcock, like he, he was doing like setups and themes that are classic Hitchcock, but this movie felt less of a blatant Hitchcock homage. And I was really feeling more of the Jalo influence uh, in this movie, which I do know Dress to Kill does have some Jalo elements the to it. The gloves and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. The gloves and the killer in a trench coat and the mm -hmm. obfuscated mystery of who the killer is. Um, but I feel like the fact that Dress to Kill is so blatantly aping Psycho, uh, it kind of detracts. You know, the, the, the Jalo elements are not as prominent, whereas in this movie, there's more room to breathe for these other elements where you're like, oh, it's less about the Hitchcock stuff, and he's throwing other things into the the mix here, into the stew. Yeah, I, I like, I'll say this. I do believe I prefer this over Dress to Kill and a Would You Rather Have Sex with Dress to Kill or Blowout. I'd rather have sex with Blowout. Um, but I like Nancy Allen better in Dress to Kill than I do in Blowout. I find her mm -hmm. better as sort of a um, street smart kind of person than I do like kind of a dim-witted Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors, which I felt was more what she was channeling here. Uh, I like yeah. her to be a little more like, I don't know, like she is in Carrie and in Dress to Kill, where she, like, it's like that street smart sense. I don't know what, there's probably a better word for it, but that's what it feels like to me. Not necessarily like a studious or like a knowledgeable person that way, but just someone who like knows how to like get around some shit. And here, like in the beginning, I was just kind of a, a annoyed by her. Like when she's in that hospital bed, I'm like, are you trying to act like drugged up? Like I'm confused. What is mm -hmm. happening with your choices here? Yeah, in... Dressed to kill, she seems like a more fleshed out character. In this, in Blowout, she feels too much like she's becoming a plot device through a lot yes. of the movie, where she's not really doing much of herself other than to just be there to motivate John Travolta or, the, you know, the bad guys or whatever. And I think he's fantastic. And, and I, she grew on me as it went along. I feel like it, yes. it made it a little bit better for me. But in the beginning, I was like, God, I'm annoyed by her and I love her so much. Yeah, there, there's a scene like mid movie where she's get they're getting to know each other, 
uh, in the initial conversation there, I was kind of like, oh, don't, I hope it this movie doesn't go that direction where that now they're going to have like an awkward romance, like crammed it, which there is a little bit of like flirtatiousness and, you know, like budding romance between them. But that scene made me think it was going to like really get forced in there more into the plot. But then it takes twists and turns and moves away from that. And I was like, okay, thank you. Cause that's like the one moment where I'm like, that was real cheesy. Uh, except for then it goes into that cool flashback, which was very, uh, what to compare it to, but I thought it was very cool that he starts telling a story and then he does a flashback and we have like a mini movie of John Travolta's character's past, like right there that feels like uh, all of a sudden we now have like a mafia thriller <laughs> for a scene dropped in the middle uh, mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, it, it is one of those, like it really, it's horror adjacent because I don't think this movie fits into just horror and it's got horror influence and it's got the fun you know he makes sound effects for horror movies uh so that's just cool uh he goes to the studio and they have posters of real like B yeah have you seen the boogeyman uh i've not seen the boogeyman i have seen squirm the uh, worm one which is about killer worms and there's an amazing episode of mystery science theater 3000 where they made fun of that movie um and i have seen the incredible melting man uh, and I'm trying to think there was another one in there where I'm like, I, oh, and food of the gods was in there, which I think we recently talked about. We did. That was one of the posters. Yeah. I have seen the boogeyman. It's not good. I'll remember our mirrors. There's mirrors. There's a thing with mirrors. That's all I remember, but it was really horrible. I love that poster though. That poster reminds me of my childhood. It's very creepy in the window and that big shadow. And I don't think it has anything to do with the movie because the, the poster makes it look like Halloween. Yeah. Like, but it's not that ah, false advertising. Yeah, very false. But I would like to rewatch it. I know that the, the remake is nothing like the original and really, really bad. And I hate when I see boogeyman spelled like bogeyman, like without mm-hmm. two O's, because it's yeah. often spelled with one O. And I don't care for that. That's a bogeyman. Yeah, a bogeyman. <laughs> not the boogeyman. I do also have to say, I've been thinking some about what I was, because we were talking about Brian De Palma in the first part before I decided to give you Blowout. And -hmm. I was talking about, you know, when certain characters and genders and things like that are, and sexualities are are placed as like the bad guys and how some people have major issue with that. And I think I thought through that a little bit and Mm. why, why like Dress to Kill for instance, and why sometimes people look at it and say, like, this isn't cool, the way this is being done, is, like, in Dress to Kill, it's, like, I feel, like, spoiler, spoilers, that Michael Caine is the killer because he is killing because of his disorder, quote-unquote, or whatever. I don't know that that's how they word it. Of being a, again, quote-unquote, I, I believe they use this word, like, a transvestite. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he is just a, a gay person who happens to be ki- like he's killing like it, it it's sort of feeding into what Tess was talking about where someone isn't killing because they're because of their mental disorders mm-hmm. or like their mental you know uh, what's happening in their mind like it isn't um kind of the, the word isn't coming to me but it isn't like capitalizing on the fact that oh if you have schizophrenia you're going to be a killer or if you happen to be a transvestite or like to wear dresses or whatever, you're going to be a killer. Again, I'm using that word transvestite. I know that's not like a, a PC word. I'm sort of in my mind. I feel like they use that in dress to kill. But I mm-hmm. think that that's more when people get upset about people who aren't normally the killers being the killers is that they're using a, an aspect of who they are as the device of why they kill, which feeds yeah. into that 
that thing of everyone being like, oh, well, if you have, you know, if you're bipolar, you're going to be a killer as opposed mm -hmm. to you can be a bipolar person and function like anybody else in the world and be okay. And you're not going to be a killer. But some movies make it seem like that will make you a killer. Yeah, Does that make yeah, sense what I'm saying? No, absolutely. Like it, it's the reason it's things like that are problematic is because they're vilifying like further an already marginalized group of people. That's that, precisely the way I wanted to word it and couldn't yeah. think you. of it. There, there it is. So it, it, you know, it's people that just society is already marginalizing and doesn't understand, doesn't want to understand. Uh, and you, they're just adding fuel to that fire of hatred, uh, which is just totally unjustified. Yeah. So I, I think that I get that a little bit more since I sort of talked about it in part one. The other thing I wanted to mention when we were mm -hmm. talking about De Palma's filmography, the movie we left off that I've not seen is The Fury. Oh, I've never seen. The, I, well, OK, I've seen pieces of The Fury. I have two from Terra and the Isles, of course. But oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I've seen it on like um, uh, cable or whatever, like random movie channels. Like I know it's it, it's one of those like kind of obscure enough movies where I think it just fell into like cable television packages where they sold it off to a bunch of stations. So I know I've seen it as like a daytime movie, like the fury, which I know is sort of like, uh, he, he kind of took elements from the plot of Carrie and just did another movie that's somewhat similar to Carrie with psychic powers and whatnot. But I, I, I don't know. I've heard mixed things about that one. Yeah. I need to watch it. Cause my girlfriend's in it, Amy Irving with her gorgeous hair. And I would get clips of it on Terra and the Isles mixed up with scanners in my mind, because I mm. think that one of the people with their psychic abilities makes these veins sort of pop out in his head. Mm -hmm. And so I kept waiting for certain scenes and scanners that never happened. And I'm pretty sure that they're from the Fury. From the Fury. Makes sense. From the Fury. Also, th this movie, Blowout, uh, I had seen like clips of this one before, and I was trying to figure out like why the hell are like just random scenes like I very unfamiliar with all of the movie except for like it's the scene where he's in the um where he goes to the uh movie studio uh and is talking and you see the posters on the walls and stuff i'm like i've seen this before i don't remember where this is from though um it wasn't in in search of darkness was it i don't think so but it could have been yeah it was either in one of those or um it, most obviously there's a uh documentary just called da palma from a few mm. years back that was just about his entire uh, filmography. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've watched that. So I'm like, okay, they must have used a bunch of clips from Blowout in there uh, extensively. Because uh, I know they spent, all I remember from that documentary is they spent a lot of time talking about Dress to Kill <laughs> and his, like, sure. and, like, Carrie and stuff. Uh, but Blowout had to have been in there, so. Yeah, and I mean, God, watching him do some of his like sound editing media record like all of that it seems so tedious and like oh my god how did anyone ever do that and then i think about how easy it is now yeah and again i know this is a recurring theme on this show how is it going to be in 30 years it's going to be any e how could it possibly be easier than it is now which very well may have been what they said back then like look at what we can do this is so great compared to what you could do 30 years prior to yeah <laughs> so that's crazy john travolta in this too Man. So good. And God, what a dreamboat back then. Yeah, this is this is one of those movies and one of those performances where you're like, yeah, of course he's a movie star. Like, look at him. He's just, you know, so great in this movie. Like, 
it, it just makes sense. You watch stuff from, I guess we'll call it his golden, his golden age. Like you watch those <laughs> movies and you're like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Like he was, uh, he was a born star. He really was. And what he was on Welcome Back Cotter. Is that what he was on some TV show? I think so. That sounds right. Now, have you seen, I'm trying to find the title, Barbarian Sound Studio or whatever it's called? Oh, uh, yeah. Burbian Sound Studio. Um, I have not seen it, but I've heard of it. And I'm I'm somewhat familiar with it. It seems very weird, but I think it's Toby, Toby Jones, right? Yes. Yes, it sounds. I I, I gotta watch the posters. Brilliant, Ber- Berber. That's a hard word. Berberian Sound Studio. Like, why would you name something so hard to say? <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, and Toby Jones is so good. Yeah, I gotta watch that because I'm intrigued by that. I loved all the sound collecting stuff, like all that. Which I know this is what Joe's email was all about about how a scream is so prevalent in this movie and i love yeah. like the girls pulling each other's hair <laughs> and that first scream also is so funny the first time you hear it ah, it's it, so good it reminded me a lot of um going way back here uh in singing in the rain uh wow. when she gets to talk on film i can't stand it and it's like <laughs> That's that, you know, Claire, I imagine that had to have been on his mind coming up with that scene where like, we, we can't have this scream is terrible. We need to replace the voice. So, yeah, fun uh, insidery movie making set. Now, I'm not going to I'm going to ask this without being spoilery, but like, did you foresee the way that all played out in advance? No screaming. OK. I was just curious, no. like knowing it, I knew that's where we were going to get, but I didn't know if you piece it together in your intelligent, smart brain. No, you know what? I was just like, by the time you get to like the climax of the movie, I was just too locked in for the ride uh, okay. to even think about like, where are we going? What's going to happen? And then it gets to the conclusion and you're like, oh my God. Like it, I it love that. It's not the 4th of July, whatever it is. I love mm-hmm. all those fireworks and just, I mean, that is iconic. That that scene towards the end is just so beautifully done. Super cool. And John Lithgow so uh, as the villain. Oh my yeah. God, terrifying. Like, yeah. he he really did have a, uh, he, he was an actor uh, that was originally uh, who they had like, earmarked to play the Joker in Tim Burton's first Batman movie over Jack Nicholson. Like originally John Lithgow was somebody they approached and watching a movie like this, you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. He would have been terrifying in that role. Yeah. I could have seen that for sure. But yeah, I dig it. I really like this go around. I was like, wow, this is great. And then hopping on Letterboxd, I'm like, Oh, everyone fucking loves this movie. Like yeah, and I was like, like, oh my god! I like watch this movie. You think, like, how have I never watched the best movie ever made before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, you know, Nancy Allen, of course, working with De Palma on Dress to Kill, and then this movie right after. And also, you had Dennis Franz, uh, who was in Dress to Kill as one of the cops, and now he's in this movie as the sleazy PI. So it's like, oh, how cool is that? Uh, you know, he's got. There's something to be said when a director has like recurring actors, like a recurring like. Uh, little family of performers that repeat throughout their work. Now, Nancy Allen was also in Carrie. Were they together? Were they a couple? I don't know. 
Oh, it just seems like that in my head. So also, I thought it was kind of cool that uh, Dennis Franz, when he's watching television, uh, the movie he's watching on TV is Murder a la Mode, uh, which is Brian De Palma's first feature film. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's fun. Because apparently I read a little trivia blurb online. They were trying to get the movie Dementia 13, uh, which is the first full length film directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, but he asked for like a shit ton of money <laughs> for them to be able to do that. So De Palma just threw one of his own movies in there. Nancy Ellen married Brian De Palma in 1979. Oh, there you go. You were right. But I don't, on, upon quick look here. Uh, they divorced in 84. Ah, uh, got it. Thank you. Oh, too bad. Yep. And... Probably because she was like, you don't make good movies anymore. I'm outie. Yeah. I'm outie 5000. See ya. Let's see, out of five photo flip books, <laughs> I, I don't know what you call those, those little books you flip and the pictures move, five yeah. moving picture books, I'll call them. Okay. Out of five, how many do you give Blowout? I'm going to give Blowout four and a half. That is exactly what I'm going to give it, you little beesh. Oh my God. Which gives us one scare of approval. Yeah, buddy. Cool. Yeah, I loved it way more than I thought I would this go around. Yeah, it was also a movie too. like, again, I think it's just because of the amount of twists and turns and just this layering of like different types of genres in there on top of each other. I was like, I don't know how to feel. I feel kind of overwhelmed by this movie, like (laughs) about like the halfway point and then the rest, the second half forward, I was just totally hooked yes. and locked in. So yeah. definitely, definitely a great experience. Cool. So moving on to Nightcrawler, where it's kind of funny how we just did one movie about a certain part of media production sound, and we're moving on to another part of media production, which would be a news video. So Nightcrawler from 2014. The tagline is, the city shines brightest at night. And the description is when Lou Bloom, desperate for work, muscles into the world of L.A. crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story, aiding him in his effort as Nina, a TV news veteran. So this is an interesting film. I would most compare it to American Psycho. It's what I thought of the whole time watching it. Yeah. Now, I don't know a lot about psychology, but... Am I correct that you would say both of the, I mean, they're the protagonists in the way that they're the leads, but not necessarily the protagonists that you like. I don't know if you consider Patrick Bateman and Lou to be protagonists. Are they the anti-hero? I, I suppose they are the protagonist in that they're our like, main character we're locked okay. into of the story, but they're not good, good. people. But <laughs> yeah. It definitely, like, he reminded me of Patrick Bateman. And would you... Antihero is a good word for that. Okay. Would you venture to say that they're both extremely extremely sociopath? Yeah, so sociopathic or psychopaths or whatever the proper terminology is for that. Like, they they are, you know... I mean, American Psycho is literally about a serial killer. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character in this movie lou i feel is two steps away from becoming a serial killer like at any moment so like he has the psychological profile from the way we get to know him that like he does not care about other people he does not feel feelings the way other people do so like that is so scary i gotta say like i 
I'm sure I've met a sociopath in my life, but no one that I could be like this person in my life. What a sociopath. Like, I just can't, I feel too much and too hard mm -hmm. that I just like, I see people and like, I can well up with, I don't know that I think I said this before. I feel like I'm slightly am, an empath. I don't know that I am. I'm not like <laughs> strong enough in it that I'm like, oh, I'm an empath. But like, I feel so much from people that I just can't imagine the exact opposite of that and not feeling anything. Mm -hmm. That seems so frightening to me. Yeah. Um, and again, and, and speaking about mental illnesses, like we just were earlier, psychological disorders, uh, sociopaths doesn't mean you're going to become a serial killer. Like there's plenty of, I'm sure lots of people that are diagnosed sociopath uh, and they're just, they're fine people, totally uh, great people. Uh, it's just the fact sociopathy or is that the word? I don't know. It seems they weird, just, but yeah. Yeah. They just don't feel feelings the same way. Like that's what the difference is. They process okay. feelings differently and they have trouble. I know a main symptom is having trouble relating to other people and like understanding emotions of others. Um, so, you know, movies kind of generalize these things, but I, I, I don't know what, because when you get into serial killers, they tend to have and like extremely, I would say maybe antisocial personality disorder. Is that like where like Lou and uh, Patrick Bateman fall? Like they, they, verge into these more violent types which i'm not sure there is like one simple psychological profile you can throw on those okay um but they're not like crazy they know what they're doing you know they're not in the sense that they are not in control of themselves so like as lou shows he's in absolute control uh as much control as he is you know can muster of his destiny but he's not a good guy so I mean, I'll say this about this movie. I think the performances are really good. I don't know that I liked it. I wouldn't say I disliked it. I know that's mm -hmm. like really sort of almost a cop out. Like, but I would say I'd like American Psycho. Okay. So just in that regard, it's not like, oh, I don't want to watch someone like this and I won't like a movie about someone who is like this, like an anti-hero. Because I like American Psycho, but I think it's because it veers a little more into that horror element. And here it is, I don't know, it's different in that way. Yeah. I feel like the horror is there in this movie, like the influence of horror movie, but it is not as prevalent as something like American Psycho, where it's much more in your face. Like this just kind of has sort of the visual language and like the cinematography looks like a creepy, you look like you're in like a vampire yeah. movie or something like that. Just that nighttime LA photography, but oh my this God. is- Riz Ahmed is just a little baby. Yeah, he's so young in this. God, and it's funny, him. like he's so, so hot. I, I saw this movie closer to when it was originally released. Okay. Uh, so he was like, this is kind of the beginning of Riz Ahmed's rise. So like yeah. now I totally know who he was. But the first time I saw this, I had no idea. He was just like, oh, that's a really talented supporting actor there. And wait, and now, Sound of Metal, yes or no? You've seen that? Never seen it. I watched uh, it. heard it was very good. It is so good. Uh, I love I'll, it. Speaking of performances, though, this is the movie where I know everyone on the internet is like, and this is one of the reasons the Academy is bullshit, because Jake Gyllenhaal was not nominated for this performance. And this is, you know, oof, this is like a career defining performance for him. He is really good. To me, watching him, I'm like, okay, he is what Jared Leto would like to be. 
yeah, this is it. He, like he nails it in this movie. Like this is what Jared Leto is trying to do, but is always just like, look how crazy I am. And it's so surface yeah. level. Whereas Jake Gyllenhaal like feels like he really turned into Lou Bloom for this role. Yeah, then he can turn around and be like a, a, a likable character. Like I feel, mm -hmm. and I don't know this, I'm not diagnosing him, but I feel like Jared Leto could really be a sociopath <laughs> in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just based on what I've heard and what I get from him, okay, as, an, as, a, as a psycho, I mean, as a professional empath, okay? That's what I get from Jared Leto. Professional empath. <laughs> And I love Renee Russo in it. I think she's really oh, good. She looks great too. I mean, I know yeah, this God is damn, like, that's not like 10 a... years ago, but almost, right? Almost, yeah. This is from 2014. Oh my God, that's so crazy. And the only sort of, I'm not going to say head scratching, but a long head, head scratching adjacent is Bill Paxton. Like, he's so good. And he's in this movie like a total of like three minutes. Like, yeah, he's like, barely why, in this. Why? Why? It could have been anyone. I don't. I thought it was going to end up playing a much larger part. So yeah. it's just, it was, it was just odd. I mean, I love him and he's so good. So, I mean, it was a nice addition and always good to see him RIP, but mm -hmm. it just, I just thought that was a little strange. Yeah. It feels, I, I wonder, I, I didn't bother to research this. I'm wondering if there's like some deleted scenes or if this was a much longer movie and they had to cut some material because he feels like a plot line that could have been bigger uh, if this were a longer movie, which it's already like a two hour movie. So that's plenty long enough. But I, I imagine maybe there is some additional stuff there. And I hadn't really thought about this and I probably should do this with movies like in general when I watch them, because as an actor, it's sort of what we're supposed to do in like any given scene and moment truly is like, what are the overlying like themes here? What are the objectives? And it seems like everyone, it's sort of like ambition and where are you going? Like from all three of like our main leads, really all everyone in it, it's like, how are you going to get what you need to get to get higher and more money mm -hmm. and to m more everything? I mean, Riz Ahmed, it's more for him, like staying alive and being able to survive, like more so like, but he's a little desperate for it. He's not like, I want fame and fortune, but like for Rene Russo and, and for um, Lou, like it's very much like this, like sort of like, fucking over whoever you have to to be more well known and to have your name out there in one way or another and that ties into of course the big thing here is this is a huge satire of the american news uh, uh industry uh you know of course they, they even say if it bleeds it leads in the movie which is mm -hmm. you know has been for a long time the motto essentially of american television news so and it was fun. I, I This is not an avenue that's explored very often the way it is in regards to the profession that he, I don't, what do you call? Uh, stingers. Stingers. I yep. would be more interested to see something like someone who works for, um, you know, what are those like trashy ones? Like those pop culture. Oh, like TMZ or something yes, like that. I would watch a movie in a heartbeat for someone like a TMZ reporter as opposed to like just any crime. Like yeah. that sort of, and I'm sure that there's got to be movies out there like this, but like that is more in line with me as a person. Yep. But this also was like, oh, I hadn't thought much about this lifestyle and how you would go about doing it and, and all that. So I thought that was really fun and interesting in that way that it's not something that's that you know everything about like oh being a director or whatever even being a sound person is less 
of a um it's something you may know a little bit more about than than this but this. both these movies sort of cover this like you know this element of entertainment that isn't i don't know if you call this entertainment but in a way i don't know how to media yeah. media New, related this i mean the point of the stinger is like turning the news into entertainment because mm -hmm. you know you could just be up there reporting the facts but no we need to see like i want to see the action show me the carnage like that's what american viewers have been trained to want and that's what they want now so the news keeps trying to deliver more and more salacious uh, i mean it's still turn on the news now it's still a thing that happens so yeah but it's it's pretty cool I, it's I challenging mean, I, yeah it is it's gotta be and i i just didn't fall in love with this movie but i still found it very well made and mm -hmm. the performances were really good but it's not something that i would ever yeah go back out to watch again cinematography is beautiful so beautiful um the and, and this is my second viewing of this film uh and i feel like i enjoyed it more than the first time so i think this okay. might be a movie that you gotta let it creep into your psyche a little bit and as you and this time around i think the dark humor elements were a little more prevalent to me like the first time i just felt like dirty after watching this movie because everybody's so awful in there and i'm like oh what what slimy characters what a slimy world i just spent time in this time around i think the yeah the inherent uh absurdity of it started to come out more so okay um because that reminds me that uh i was reading on uh the wikipedia page where there's a little blurb in here that says the exact genre of Nightcrawler has been the subject of debate. While most critics agree that the film predominantly features thriller elements, other descriptions have been used, including dark comedy, drama, horror, and neo-noir. And I feel like the movie mm -hmm. is like a mix of all of those things. It really is. I think that that sums it up. Yeah, and this director, um, Dan, Dan Gilroy, uh, he, this... Was this his first? I think this was his directorial debut. He was a screenwriter before this. Okay. Um, but this this was his first. Oh wow, he was the screenwriter of Kong Skull Island. I didn't. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I was like, um, I looked, and there was something which is really interesting. But he did go on to direct the movie Velvet Buzzsaw, which I've not seen. Also with Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, which I've heard mixed things about. Very but I know that mixed. I know that was supposed to be more of a straight horror movie. So yeah. Maybe not straight horror, but, but more, more so horror this, elements yeah. than this was. So, um, but anyway, yeah. But while our movies don't always coincide because we, you know, typically just each pick a movie kind of going yeah. into an advance, this is probably one of the times where they fit together the best. <laughs> yeah, we definitely like thematically nailed it. I remember yes. we used to try and do that a million years ago at the beginning of this podcast. Well, we like, would try to, to find... force it in that way of like, yeah. how do these? But like here, they just yeah. naturally are very good companion pieces. Absolutely. So with that being said, out of five uh, pawn shop camcorders. <laughs> How many do you give it? You know, I'm going to give it three. Three. Okay. Uh, I'm going four. Okay. With this one. And uh, that's still another. Scare of approval. Yeah, it is. Two yeah, I just don't love it. But I think it's well, I can appreciate it a lot. Mm -hmm. And not like I definitely wouldn't throw it on the, the, the slash heap. It's yeah. worth checking out. Yeah, you you can you can appreciate the style and technique that went into the making of a piece of art that you don't necessarily have to be in love with. Yes. Because people are complicated. We're complicated in our yes. tastes. So yes. It's possible.
But I appreciate uh, the share, Jeremy. Thank you. I appreciate the share, Jer. <laughs> share, Jer. Scare, Jer. I uh, thought it was funny, too, that this movie, when it was released in theaters back in 2014, it came out on Halloween Day. Oh, interesting. And I went digging and found some old reviews, too, that were like, it may not seem like an obvious horror movie, but this is a perfect movie to go out and check out on Halloween because it's creepy nice. and weird. And blah, blah. And I was thinking, yeah, this would be a good double feature right there for uh, Halloween time. This with Donnie Darko. If you want to do yes. a a uh, Jake Gyllenhaal Halloween time double Your feature. Wife, I can't believe she does not like him. She's like, he's OK, but oh, he's so good. And I, I'm I'm a fan, but I like his weird shit. Like, I like yeah. these creepo uh scary roles he does so now would you rather elijah wood or jake gyllenhaal oh my god so you have to pick i have to pick oh, they're both so fantastic i i'm i'm gonna go with elijah wood Me and that's so. because in my brain i've decided if i met elijah wood we would become best friends uh <laughs> just because i know of like he's into horror movies he's into comic books he loves all the same nerd shit i do like when i see interviews and he mentions these things so i'm like we would be friends um but i would cheat on him with jake gyllenhaal <laughs> <laughs> well thank you everyone for listening we love to know what you think write to us scaring us sharing at gmail.com follow us on insta slide into our dms uh hey, anything I know we dropped into some like heavy conversation here. I imagine friend of the podcast, Tess would have yes, some thoughts. Please, so Tess, Tess, write to us. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, anyone for that matter. So. And remember, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh. Hail Paymon. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.